Hey guys, welcome back to Zupi the Autotelic Mindset Podcast. I'm here with Peter DeSera, a professional mountain biker and a 2020 Olympic Games competitor. Peter, welcome. Welcome and thanks for coming on board here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, so I like I'm a broken record and I say this all the time and it's I know you guys have your busy schedules but it's uh, for you to make time to come on here uh, really appreciate uh, you doing that for us because I know you're in a bit of a training cycle right now yeah 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 we're um, I'm down in Southern California right now doing a bit of a endurance block and uh, yeah a little tired today a little active recovery day so some time to squeeze us in but uh, uh, yeah the sun's shining and it's been good training thus far, so I can't complain. Nice, nice. So uh, I'm just kind of reading your bio here, and it's kind of cool. You're an Ontario boy from Kitchener. Yeah, born in Kitchener. Born, I, born. I, yeah, grew up in Bradford and then uh, moved north of Barrie to a place called Horseshoe Valley, sort of uh, mid. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually based out of uh, Victoria, uh, B.C., on, in, on Vancouver Island gotcha. um, that's where I that's where I live now and then uh, that's been since I graduated uh, school yeah. nice nice so we'll kind of get into it here uh, like we kind of just I kind of touched base with before we kind of hopped on here with the sport you're doing and being from kind of the area area you are um, I mean for myself growing up you know you have like hockey soccer lacrosse how is it one gets into the sport of mountain biking um and i know you've done other sports like skiing and other types of uh biking sports so how does how do you get into something like that especially at a, y- a younger age versus these more let's say popular sports like hockey and soccer and all that stuff yeah yeah for sure um i mean i played all the whatever team sports and stuff like that through elementary and high school i played uh football through high school um but then yeah sort of when we moved from Bradford to Horseshoe Valley uh had a a buddy of mine at the new school we were attending um mentioned come out to these Wednesday night races at Hardwood Hills or what's now Hardwood Ski and Bike um so just like a weekly casual grassroots local race event and uh yeah started doing those on our like cheap entry-level bikes but i don't know it can really even consider them to be mountain bikes at this point but um yeah started doing that started doing well and then sort of from that point forward year over year just cascaded another level higher um at the time as well we were getting involved in that sort of first like two or three years i split my time between uh alpine skiing ski racing in the winter uh i also was an instructor and then um yeah i mountain biking throughout the summer so it quickly took our summers over um and then became more of a thing and more of a identity piece sort of like with family uh traveling around to certain race events race events and my brother starting to race as well so um yeah just kind of cascaded from there so your brother, he younger or older than you? Uh, three and a half years younger. So he's trying to maybe follow in your footsteps a little bit there. Yeah, I mean, at this point, he's well established. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, that's 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 cool. It's funny how I like how the family gets involved uh, with that stuff. It always helps with the support of them. So when when you're doing like as you kind of moved up the ranks, when does this actually become in your mind like, hey, I'm going to do this professionally, or it's just I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to make my way up the ranks um, through the different uh, levels or age groups. When, yeah. when does that cross your mind? Yeah, I mean, sort of at every level that I um experience success so i started to be successful at that local race series so then we went and started doing provincial level race series and then became successful at those and i started doing canada cup level race series and then became successful at those and then nationals medal at nationals and led to my first world championships um did decent in my first year uh, as a junior on the World Cup scene when this was back when they still had junior World Cups. Um, medaled, as a, medaled as a junior at Junior Worlds in South Africa in 2013. And then that's when I uh, got picked up on the Norco factory team uh, for the 2014 season. That's when it became um, more of a professional style uh, undertaking. But that was also the year that I started my undergrad. So, I mean, I never really got like two feet all in uh, until the beginning of 2019 when I graduated school at the end of 2018. Uh, the beginning of 2019 when I was like, okay, yep, we're both feet in for the next year and a half leading into Tokyo. Um, and yeah, everything was was looking real good in February 2020 until it stopped. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, we'll probably we'll probably get into that. But uh, back you know, yeah, to your school, like a lot of the athletes mm -hmm. I talk with, like sometimes they're dual athletes where they have to make decision between a sport and they go one direction or the other. But uh, for you, it sounds like you're always into the biking. But I mean, choosing like having to do your schooling, right? Like you could have put school easily on hold and kind of fast track this a little bit faster per se. So it seems like you kind of made it an unconscious decision that you're going to finish your schooling. And once that's done, then I'm going to, like you said, put two feet, dive two feet into this. Um, yeah, I, I split my time pretty, like, I, 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 I split my time, like, right down, not the middle, but basically did as little school as I possibly could while staying sort of like on track to graduate and did as like most bang for my buck style training while I was in school in order to still be as fast as I could with as little time as I had available on the bike um and yeah like dual athlete stuff wise like yeah I split my time sort of like early career and kept kept my whatever uh, kept my toes in sort of a bunch of different sporting pools, but um, we, we'd have cross-training seasons and do a bunch of Nordic skiing over the like winter holidays and whatnot. But yeah, just with how with how cross-country mountain bike works and any of the sort of endurance cycling events work, like it's not a high-impact sport and it's a very aerobic-based system sport. So like time is king so I always had to 
get creative and had a bunch of good coaches helping me through getting creative to get the most out of the little time I had. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Like when I talk to some of my athletes, I go through what I call the balance board. So you have like, you have your career, you have your personal development, you have, you know, your health and wellness, and then your personal relationships and trying to, I always say we're trying to balance this board as much as possible, but realistically it's never fully balanced. Mm-hmm. But where do you put your time in? When do you spend that time there? And I think with education, obviously it's very important, but I mean, there's probably some stressful times for you and you kind of touched on it with having coaches kind of help you uh, throughout that process. Um, but maybe talk a little bit about uh, a little bit more how you time managed. Was there ever a point where you're like, I, I have to focus more on school or I have to focus more on my sport or and all that kind of stuff? Kind of walk me through that a little bit. Yeah, that was more on a micro level rather than like a macro level. Um, well, no, I guess it was kind of on both. So I basically... I, I definitely struggled for like the first few years uh, in my undergrad, um, just trying to figure that out. I had just come off of a massive high in 2013, where I was like one of the best juniors in the world and was, um, I mean, humbly was pretty untouchable within Canada. Like I won four national titles. I, yeah, walked up to just with any race and just kind of took it to people so um coming out of that to then showing up late to the like my first semester of university because world championships at the beginning of september in south africa so i didn't show up until like two weeks in so i missed orientation i missed frost week i missed all of that and just kind of walking in as like somebody who had done something special but nobody gave a damn type idea yeah. so I was just kind of like it was kind of cool as well because it was it was cool because I was like okay sick like I can just like my profs be like where have you been or like you missed all this stuff and I'm like yeah I was racing bikes but don't don't worry about it like <laughs> um just tell me what I need to know um so yeah and then I definitely struggled that first year like being in residence and um, I mean, I went to the University of Guelph, so we had proper winters, and uh, unlike um, living in like Horseshoe Valley and stuff where Nordic skiing and other forms of cross-training were like readily accessible uh, yeah. through my entire undergrad, my five and a half years spent in Guelph, like I never got to do any cross-country skiing or, or anything like that. Um, I mean, there'd be time that I'd like use the athletic centers and try to put some time in, in the pool or like obviously like would use the gym and stuff like that but yeah splitting time they just ended up coming down to to cranking out miles on the trainer so yeah me and my res room hitting trainer miles like 7 to 9 p.m and then going to bed waking up for class at 8 30 and, and kind of going off so I wouldn't necessarily say it was healthy but I was trying to split my time evenly and do what I could through school uh and sort of how first and second year in any program goes it's you're kind of you're forced to do a bunch of stuff that you like don't want to do yeah so yeah it was it was tough but then once I got into second year um I actually messed up second year pretty good so I I decided to do a full course load and really overweight the 
um, fall semester so I could have a lighter spring semester um, because there was always going to be racing in March and April and whatnot. So yeah, overweighted that uh, fall semester, didn't take any reduced course load, stayed full six engineering courses, two of which were like extremely time intensive. And yeah, after about two or three weeks in sort of the like off season that we would have and it was like, okay, time to start up training. And I was like, I can't, like it just keeps getting busier and I can't. And now I'm like six weeks into the semester and like the semesters are only 12 weeks plus exams. So I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to tough this one out. Like, I guess I'll just lose a bunch of fitness and try to gain it back next semester. So I ended up, yeah, loading that front end of second year and then having to take uh, second semester of second year, I took it completely off. I took three online courses and moved to California <laughs> for four months. So um, that was sick because I got to do some electives that I would have needed to do at a later time. Got to do them online. Was really bad at doing online courses. I learned a lot about myself in that. Um, and then was able to devote my time. If in the fall I was 90% school, 10% training, uh, that spring semester I was 90% training, 10% school. Um, but that didn't work out because come July I popped. Uh, I had just, I had done too little throughout the fall and overloaded my spring to the absolute max and was running too hot and the bubble, bubble burst sort of like it was it was actually at nationals um and i wasn't on form for the rest of the season it was just overly fatigued so then third year i got it right and from third year to it took me five and a half years for my degree so from third year to five and a half i kind of um i had a good relationship with my academic counselors and was very proactive when it came to professors and uh, advanced communication so I found the magic mix for engineering was like four um, four courses in the fall three courses in the spring and then the occasional you could like mix in an occasional elective which was like a non-work intensive elective um, so that was a nice mix because then yeah I'd get my sort of I get my design courses and the math intensive and whatever hard courses out of the way in the fall and then try to get like some more interesting ones that I was like passionate about uh in the spring that would be so then I was able to split my time sort of like 60 40 40 60 um and that worked coming into into those seasons that would have been 2016 2016 through 2019 season and, and at any point where you like I got to put school on hold. I'm going to just not drop out, but put on a pause and focus on the biking. Or was it like, I'm just going to grind and just figure out how to do this. That was that cross. Well, that, that happened after that second year fall. Okay. And that was kind of because I just got, I got too deep into that fall semester before I realized that like, Oh crap. Like I, I can't train. Like I'm not going to train this semester. Like it's just not going to happen. Uh, with how many courses I've taken, but I was so deep already and had had enough success in those courses that 
I'm like, I don't want to redo any of this. Like I've put six weeks in, let's just grind the other eight weeks out and then we'll put school on pause, move to California for four months through January through April, race road, race mountain, do a bunch of training, take online courses so that I can like keep chipping away. Um, but never come to like a full stop, stop. Because sort of by the time Tokyo, no, by the time Rio came around, so 2016 came around, I had worked backwards from Tokyo and my margin of error was zero. If I had failed something, the whole plan was going to go to, was going to go uh, to crap, but um, luckily that didn't happen. Um, and yeah, I planned backwards saying like, okay, yeah, like I'll still have 18 months to prep for this if I do this sort of magic four and three, three and two, yeah. three and three, whatever near the end uh, distribution. So yeah, and there were certain courses that, because I, I was in a very small program, I was in water resources engineering. So there was only like 50 of us in the graduating class. Um, so yeah, because I was in a pretty small program, there were certain courses that were only offered in winter semesters, January to April semesters. So I just had to strategically plan around a few of those things and the academic counselors were great. And the profs, I had one every year that was a problem, but everybody else was, was great. Um, and yeah, I would just sort of reach out at the beginning of those like winter semesters, like in December, by the time enrolling for the next semester's classes would come around and be like, hey, I have racing in March. I will be away from endurance camp in February. And I will be missing the entire exam period in April. Like, is that okay with you? And even if it isn't okay with you, I'm going to get good enough marks that I just won't show up to your exam and still pass your course. <laughs> um, and that happened three times. So nice. nice. Yeah. It's yeah. funny. Like the people probably listening here, you have the people who have gone through university and they know the process it what it takes. And then you have the sports people who do the sports and like, I mean, trying to qualify for the Olympic olympic games i know talking to these athletes like they kid themselves not when they say eat sleep and train like it is eat sleep and train and you're on that schedule so i mean yeah. throw in university there like it's crazy like i did what you did but at such a less stress level i played bar i played a varsity <laughs> sport at school so it was like accommodating i still had to like reduce my load and that kind of stuff but nowhere to the extent that you're talking about here so that's why i'm kind of laughing as you kind of describe your situation yeah. and hopefully people listening the, what you're talking it seems like okay it wasn't it's not too bad but putting no, these perspective it's it's tough to do what you did and very <laughs> impressive and kudos to you for getting it done <laughs> yeah thanks yeah no i i didn't i didn't sleep and um like i failed a lot in terms of just like failing at workouts and failing at execution and Failing at lifestyle, failing at social, like, um, yeah, I failed a lot in, in, in the sort of life metrics, um, but I didn't fail any courses, and I always got myself sort of to the start line and stuff, and that was the, those are the big metrics that I kept, kept sort of measuring on, so, um, yeah, it was tough, but it was, it was tough and I I look back on it and I uh not to like discourage people or whatnot but yeah I kind of figure I I 
I stunted my development by about two, two and a half years, um, athletically. Uh, I think like I, by the time I was a final year under 23, I was in the top 10. Actually, I was in the top five, uh, World Cup overall. Um, right up, I, I, I didn't do the last race just because it was in Italy. And then we had world championships in Australia. It didn't make sense traveling from Canada. Uh, but I was top five overall in that last year under 23. And it's like, I now look at sort of athletes who ran a similar course to me in terms of development, but then didn't go to school and they're hitting those metrics second and third year under yeah, 23. Yeah. So it's kind of like, yep, I think that could have been that. But I'm also, from personality wise, very. like constantly thinking mentally active slightly obsessive uh type person and that exchange of like the 60 percent school 40 percent uh training in the fall and then flipping the other way around 40 60 in the spring that was enough stimulus that um when i hit a training camp in February, when reading week would happen in February, I'd do reading week plus a week. I'd miss another week of school if so I do two weeks of training. Um, and yeah, those are some of the best miles I've ever put in because it was it was time to go, and I I knew that when I got back to school, it was going to be a midterm lab catch up week, and it was uh, would be flat. But yeah, my rest weeks weren't rest weeks. My rest oh, weeks no. were school weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's, and it's funny, we'll kind of talk like the mental side of things through your sport and peak performance and that kind of stuff. But like, like you kind of talked about, it goes to show you like the mental side of things, which you're going through, going from school to training and how set back you were versus someone who was just doing uh, strictly competing. Um, mm. So you, you really uh, show us the difference, but also you kind of touch on like finding a balance once again, right. And what works for you. Um for you to, you know, stay at a certain level um, when you're competing. So we'll dive even more into that as we uh, progress the conversation here, but it's already evident that the importance of the mental game and how that affects your performance, how it protects, how it affects your, you know, the training cycle, right? You can't, Mm -hmm. you might not have trained at all, but mentally you've gone through a whole race because you were doing all your, uh, your school stuff on the side. So it's, um, it's yeah, cool that We'd attribute that to life load. So it's great when you can have TSS and chronic training loads and other metrics calculated by um, heart rate or power output or time or whatever uh, derivation you want to use, but um, really hard to calculate like how much stress your body gets under in a midterm week. Or yeah. like how much does a how much does a two hour endurance ride with three by fifteen tempo, but then six hours of sleep and yeah. a four hour lab the next morning? How much does that actually is that equivalent to a four hour ride? Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of learning, and I got struck trout a lot. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it too. Cause it's like, you're going through your, it's all part of the story. That's what I love about the, the Olympic athletes. Like you have, everyone has a story yeah. to tell, and this is just kind of the beginning 
uh, for you. So you get to run through all this, all this stuff and it's part of the process and how you got to where you are and where you're going, um, of mm-hmm. course. So I want to get into, you know, you've, okay, you finished your university now, okay, two feet in, you're, you're good to go. But for those who don't know about your sport, can you kind of explain how the Olympic qualification goes for those who don't know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'll try to keep this as simple as possible. But there's two, <laughs> there's two tiered, two tiered, or like not two tiered. There's, there's two things working in, in parallel. So there is the uh, Federation spot qualification. So that is how many Canadians line up at the start line. And then there is the national sport organization um, Canadians versus Canadians who represents qualification. So two years out from the Olympics, um, the uh, athlete quota qualification starts essentially. And at that point it is the three highest ranked individuals um, within a 12 month window. So because it's two years, it's not the same three individuals for the entire time, but within that first 12 months and within that second 12 months, the three highest ranked individuals cumulatively contribute um, UCI points, international race points. Um, And then that first 12 months is summed and then it's added to the next 12 months and that's summed and then top two federations top two countries get three spots each third through seventh get two spots each each eighth through 21st get one spot each and then there's a few wild cards that you can get one of those wild card spots um so yeah, uh, so that's how you get, that's how you figure out how many Canadians are going to line up at the race. And then within Canada, the uh, National Sport Organization criteria was essentially there's four priorities or four levels. Priority one being top five at World Championships. Priority two being top 16 at the World Cup. Priority three being for under 23 men and women. Uh, which was cool because that wasn't in Rio. Um, this one's new for, for Tokyo. So if you got a podium as an under-23 at a World Cup, you were priority three, and then priority four would be coach's choice discretionary. So for the first time in a few cycles, uh, we had multiple men hit criteria. So that was great. So nobody hit priority one. Nobody was top five at World. But myself, Leander Bouchard, uh, were priority two. So we both got uh, multiple top 16s, actually. I had a sixth place and an 11th place and a 19th place. That was outside of criteria. And then Dre had, um, if my memory serves, a 14th and a 12th. Uh, And then Sean Fincham and Carter Woods both hit the under 23 podium, priority three. Um, criteria and then priority four was unnecessary because people had hit criteria about that. Uh, but unfortunately, as a federation, we the top three points contributors in the first twelve months, two years out from the game, we actually did pretty well and we were we were ranked pretty high. But then in the second twelve month uh, cumulative 
contribution. Um, other countries really stepped it up and we slid outside of that top 10 and our hopes of clinching that seventh place uh, in the nation's ranking in order to have two people line up was, uh, um, yeah, thwarted. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's in a nutshell how it works. It's pretty much identical for men and women. Um, so yeah, the women were within that top seven, so they had two spots and uh the men were not so we had one spot yeah. and for so for canada and man biking are you guys as like a, as a country are we like the swiss dominate sorry say that again the swiss dominate okay so where do we fall yeah. like are we still pretty new and still learning how to get up like are we up towards the bottom because we just haven't brought enough watch spectated driven past or whatever like a canadian national championships there's uh, we're lucky like 500 600 spectators there's 30 people in each category um bing bang boom type idea and then you witness like the czech republic national championships and there's 80 people in each category there's 5,000 spectators it's televised it's it's their mainstream sport um or like yeah substream sport yeah 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 yeah. so uh there's definitely just there's definitely just a different culture with like bike racing stuff like we this is a complete sidebar but we because of covid restrictions and quarantine restrictions returning back to canada last year we ended up spending like five months in europe so we ended up doing all of our sort of in-between World Cup racing in Europe, going to French Cups and Italian Cups and whatever. And yeah, we show up to a French Cup and they don't have one cadet race. Cadet is 15 and 16 year olds. They don't have one cadet race. They have two cadet races because there's too many kids. Too many kids, yeah. Yeah. So they wow. have two cadet races of 100 kids apiece. <laughs> and, and then 100 kids apiece so that's whatever 215 and 16 year olds well that's 215 and 16 year olds with parents and other family members yeah, yeah. in camper in camper trailers taking up three acres of farm field <laughs> because they would just yeah and that's that's the that's the base of the triangle that gotcha. the french are working with so gotcha. <laughs> yeah you can see why they're, how they're good it, yeah. is it is it growing here in canada slowly you find or it's kind of just stagnant right now you got some guys some years some guys you don't just i mean yeah there's always there's always a bit of uh cream that like rises to the top there's always sort of like a phenom that comes through type idea but and then if that if that athlete has success at like an international level and gets some support then sticking with it and sort of following it through and and striving for like what the development potential is becomes a little bit um, more of a viable option. But I mean, yeah, growing up in Ontario, we had the Ontario Cycling Association, we had Ontario Cup races, we had um, the local hardwood Wednesday night races that we started at. And there's a lot of, there's a solid amount of community in that Southern Ontario scene. And then moving to BC, there's not as much. And there's, it's actually quite challenging now with some of the 
like younger athletes in the area that I'm mentoring and stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, just go do. I'm like, oh, that doesn't exist here. Or like, oh, just go do. And like, so yeah, opportunities and whatnot are still not even keeled. And that's pretty, pretty solid across the board. Like the, the powerhouses of Canadian cycling are Quebec and Ontario. And then the odd, well, not the odd, but Quebec, Ontario, and then select athletes out of BC. Unless it's gravity. If it's gravity mountain biking, then everybody comes out of BC. But um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's definitely, it's got room to grow. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of new sort of like promising um, restructuring and stuff that's that's happening right now that hopefully promotes a bit more of that. Nice, nice. But it's it's a big country at the same time. We have to remember that, like that French Cup that I that I mentioned in that sidebar, like that at worst is a ten hour drive for somebody. Oh wow! So it's that's when when we were cadets and juniors like we would jump in the car and drive to Canada Cup and Trombola and Mont Trombola in Quebec but like would not consider hopping on a plane and flying to the Canada Cup in Canmore, Alberta yeah and that's the it's hard like even with some of the athletes that I help out with and, and coach a little bit and whatnot like it's hard talking to them and like oh like do I have to fly to Quebec three times this year? Yeah. yeah. Like, well, if you want to race, yeah. Like <laughs> that's kind of kind of the unfortunate part of living outside of the Quebec Ontario scene is that that's where the the big powerhouse and competitive races are. Gotcha. Anyway, a bit of a sidebar. It's not. I'm not painting a very clear picture, but it's just it's enough of a picture to say like where we stand. Some, stuff, yeah. Build some growth. Yeah. 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 So, We're a big country, and that's just part of it. Yeah. Well, it's good to hear. Well, the fact it's in the Olympics says a lot in itself, right? So that's mm-hmm. that's good to hear. Um, so I kind of want to jump into with. So we'll for, first, I want to your process, your four year process to get there. Like I know you kind of touched on a bit. You're like you had to have a perfect plan. You could it had to go smooth, and thank God you mm-hmm. it went smooth. So just talk lightly about that process, and then just qualifying for the Olympics. And then yeah, okay. get into the, the competing, the fun stuff. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, four years out, I'm third year in my undergrad. Yeah, third-ish year. So, didn't think so much, wasn't so much to do with uh, four years out because I was still under 23, so I couldn't qualify for Rio. I watched Rio happen and I was sort of looking at the gap between myself and those Olympians yeah. and being like, yeah, like I'm, I'm the next one on the conveyor belt type idea. Yeah. Like if the age group through the up and comers were still, the whippersnappers were still a little bit young. Um, I mean, they're really fast now um, and going to be quite a, quite a piece of competition for Paris, but um but yeah, sort of the the cohort that it went through, like dive into and 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 make happen. So, uh, twenty three started out an elite, and the plan to start up an elite was to not just roll over and die. Like <laughs> you're in with the big leagues now, you're doing yeah. 
the full 90 minute race like it's it's time to go but it doesn't mean we still can't be competitive and i climbed my way through the ranks with that and then yeah the school the school plan was the other big plan was make sure i have full winter and reduced course loads and more time for training leading into tokyo um and not just the winter before but like two winters before because we do a lot of our work through december through march um that's where yeah most of the most of your success will come from is those months um and then yeah like in into the last three semesters in my degree so fall of 2017 fall of 2018 uh the script had flipped like i very actively and consciously started putting school on the back burner if if i had a five-hour ride that day and i skipped two classes i skipped two classes if i had a training camp that i thought was going to be a little bit more make or break i told i literally would walk in and i told the professors like i'm not coming to your midterm like i will not be here either we can like help to do a deferral thing or like allow me to write it on the road with an invigilator but like this is important to me and i'm going to do this um and i mean it worked because i was fortunate enough to have pretty good grades a lot of the time so i i could play a little bit of hardball with that and either have my bluff called or (laughs) 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 yeah um but then yeah leading into into tokyo uh or rather into the 20 2018 was kind of a, a standard season um but then 2019 was the like okay now we got a qualify season um and yeah i just nailed it like i i finished school at the end of 2018 i had really good prep through the beginning of 2019 my girlfriend at the time now my fiance um was on board and it was super fortunate that she was going through a, a post-grad she she was going through um uh, veterinary school so she was busy enough as it was so i was like yeah like, i'm gonna leave for two months and go train and make this happen and yeah got the support from from that side had the support from my team had i mean my parents were supportive but not as hands-on as they once were through our like uh development years yeah, yeah and um yeah with not having school with all of a sudden being free of school at the beginning of 2019 all of a sudden i was like holy crap like i'm going to race these races in greece in february i'm going to race like something obscene in march i'm going to get a bunch of training in april i'm going to go to altitude here i'm going to do this and I'm, gonna move to bc for the summer and um and it all just like cascaded and all sort of fell in place and was all really fresh compared to the grind of trying to balance university with it and i was really motivated and really hyped on the fact that i like wasn't in school so all of a sudden all the things that i let slip because i was very when I was balancing at the school, it was very meat and potatoes. It was like, do the ride, do your work. Yeah. And now it was like, 
okay, sick. I can do my ride. I can roll and stretch. I can do core. I can clean my bike. I can like do all the other things that are actually going to add up to a percent or two. Um, and I started to see, see the rewards or see the, uh, the results on the track. And I was flying come like mid June and we were doing some domestic races and they were just like, I was loaded, uh, from an endurance block and I was just doing the races. There were Canada cup races in Canmore and, and Whistler. Um, and I was just doing them for intensity and did those and went to Europe and all of a sudden cut the training load, started to get the peak and banged off. Uh, I was riding around in ninth place. And then in the last five minutes of the race, lost two spots, placed 11th, hit, hit that priority two qualification. And then the week, and then the week immediately after I, without that sort of, let's say conservative pressure, of like okay like you're you're in you're in that top 16 like hold the top 16 type idea without that like i was like i've already hit qualities so let's just see what will happen and my coach my my coach just leaning he's like he's like if you think you're gonna blow up go a little bit harder and see what happens he's like you've hit qualifications just see what happens and i raced i raced that world cup in leger france like I was going to explode from lap two through lap seven. And I, by the skin of my teeth, did not blow up and place six. And yeah, it's my best record result. And it was the one that was like pretty set in stone of there's probably no chance that this is going to be beaten. And I probably am now going to go to Tokyo because of it. So that's cool. That's unreal. And then, and then the rest of the season wasn't it wasn't like I, I popped or fizzled out. It was the rest of the season was pretty good still. I was top twenty overall in the World Cup standing that year. Um won nationals, uh raced until until November third. Uh had a really bad accident in October, um, which kind of upset things, but it was it was October, so it was wasn't too concerned and then uh recovered from that accident um by like mid-december being mindful of the fact that i had had a huge season took a little bit more rest yeah wasn't in school my fiance was still in school um so spent as much time with her sort of like throughout the fall as i could and then um starting into 2020 uh i mean in terms of like cyclic loading through a quad like it didn't have to have that like massive massive off season so um yeah really started to to pan the pedals and and hit some of that speed work early and come mid-february i was in girona spain um with the Ontario cycling associations actually so uh that was super cool that the OCA, who had been the first organization and first community, like high performance community, to invite me into projects when I was like 14, 15, uh, then invited me back in sort of like a mentor role. Oh, nice. Leading, leading into Tokyo. And that was like, like immeasurably um, 
like like exciting and uh motivating because now all of a sudden i was spending time with like mini me's like the like kids who were stoked to ride were like unbelievably excited to be in spain riding road bikes and i'm like yeah we went to south carolina when i was your age like you guys are in spain right now like what the heck that's unreal yeah yeah and they were just pumped and i was like stupid fit and i would ride the front and the kids would draft and i would ride the front for six hours and they would draft and occasionally one would come up and like try to ride beside me and then i just like keep riding until he's like okay i'm right back into the draft um and yeah i was doing i was doing efforts and i like was doing a lot of speed work and i was doing it by myself but like with the group of kids so i'd be like okay like we'd start climbing then it'd be an hour-long climb i'm like i'm gonna do my whatever three by 15 up it and i'll just keep looking back and like and then we'll all meet up at the top and then we'll we'll go home after that and yeah like it was just it was a really good scene really good environment really empowering um humbling but also really confidence building and i was posting uh personal bests in power numbers and power profiles and lactate values and stuff like that that i hadn't like i hadn't set pbs since before like 2015 um and now all of a sudden spring of 2020 i'm shattering those i'm like oh crap this is the absolute best time this could possibly happen and yeah we were slated to start racing in maybe late march yeah i think late march in california um yeah actually it was late march in california because we came back from i came back from Girona, came back from spain at the end of february as covid was kind of breaking out in europe and then we actually flew to california um lined up did one short track race on the friday night and then between seven o'clock when that race like it was it's it's an evening 20 minute race um between when that race ended and 24 hours we were on planes home type idea because everything was getting shut down and locked down so yeah that was all of a sudden the the thrilling screeching halt end of the 2020 season uh, before it even began and yeah I remember March being March being really tough March 2020 end of March beginning of April being really tough because we get news <coughs> one day that like the Olympics would not be postponed they would be cancelled and then we get news the next day that like Team Canada has announced that they'll officially boycott the Olympics if they go ahead as planned. And then we get news the day, and then like I do an interview, like two interviews or whatever as the, like the top prospect of like, how do you feel about all this? And yeah, then yeah. two days later, it'd be like, oh, actually it is going to get postponed, but like if it has to be postponed a second time, they'll just cancel it or whatever. So it was just like, a ton of volatility, a ton of emotional investment, a ton of a like riding a really high, really confident high of like I'd never felt so sure of myself. Like I was yeah. I was really good from a 
piloting perspective. I was really good from a fitness perspective. Everything had flooded into place like 2015, middle of third year. My me was like stoked that like holy crap, like the plan worked. Yeah. Like they like do everything now. Like like you have time. Like we struggled through second year fluid dynamics so that you would have this four months with no school to like focus on this, like do everything and do it all right. So then all of a sudden just like nothing. <laughs> so yeah, I mean yeah, and then sort of like we can talk about the the sort of COVID and then COVID ramp up back into it, but like the ramp up was nowhere near as exciting as the the lead up to that sort of February. <laughs> That's quite yeah. a roller coaster you went on from like you said being at school to you know hitting all your hitting your personal best, just riding a big big high to obviously COVID putting in a standstill. Like, yeah. I mean, that's emotional roller coaster if I've ever heard one, and I'm sure other athletes <laughs> were obviously going through the same. But being your first Olympics, you want to keep that high going at to a certain extent, and making sure you're at your peak when you know push comes to shove for those mm-hmm. for your ride. So, um, obviously, the Olympics happened um, mentally, physically. When you got there, how are you? How are you feeling? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean. So we, we did end up actually racing in 2020. Okay. We had a very pseudo condensed World Cup season in October, September, October. And it was it was shit. <laughs> it was it was not great. Um I the whole 2020 year, like there was just kind of a rolling six week cancellation yeah. window. So we'd train and we'd start doing speed work and then we'd hear that the next world cup in august had been canceled so it was like okay well now what so by the time that came around it was real just on fumes just getting kicked in the teeth type idea and like you saw it sort of throughout the whole like we were in europe for like six weeks so you saw it sort of throughout the trip like i started off half decent and then just i couldn't i was so far gone at that point i couldn't maintain um so that was in contrast to like 2019 season and like even 2019 like the olympic test event and how that had gone leading into what 2020 was supposed to be like yeah that was a huge kick in the confidence um so 2021 rolls around 2021 promises to be a little bit more normal a little bit more predictable but the sort of beginning uh u.s cup and Canada Cup races that like we typically race in California in like March, um, March and April. Uh, we get they're 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 really hard racing, like they're hard to win. Yeah. Um, but you're racing. You're like in the front. You're in the top five. You're in. You're actively in the mix, and it's it's with buddies that speak English and that you know um, and whatever. Um, and yeah 2021 turned into uh yep we don't get any of that no north american racing uh i mean there was there there was some racing in arkansas we were already in europe at that point so we started off with some italian cups and some whatever and it was really 
hard to sort of get that mojo, get that confidence back from that 2020 kick in the teeth and just a lot of emotional roller coastering. So there's so much emotional elasticity that, I mean, I just kind of, I just kind of numbed out because we would get, we'd get hyped about one thing and we'd get yeah. like, sure, and be like, okay, yep, yeah, like that's where I'm going to like make a mark and we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And um, yeah, it just didn't, it, it was just hard to materialize and hard to, to sort of keep, like you just kept your foot on the gas the entire time, but then at some point your, your, your foot just got tired, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there were other things. I had some health issues at the beginning of 2021 as well. Um, I got like stupid sick for like all of January. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. I ended up getting a uh, blood clot in my leg because I was in bed. Uh, just at like a resting heart rate of like 95 at four in the morning um yeah so that was that was super cool and like insanely volatile and insanely volatile as well like we're at the beginning of 2021 I've now lost one of my like major endurance months and I'm being told I'm going on blood thinners so I'm like well I'm not mountain biking like I'm going to concede my spot if yeah. this is if the moment you hit me with blood thinners I'm conceding my spot because I'm not mountain biking I'm going to die if I yeah. ground and the the doctors I was working with were actually pretty cool. They're like, okay, well, like you're not overweight, you are fit, and you're young. So just come back in like a week, and we'll see if your blood clots like looking any better. And sure enough, it was. So they just <laughs> sent me on my way, and I'm like, okay, nice <laughs> um, boy. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, so like just just like that elasticity of just like trying to keep it going but yeah when when push finally came to shove and it was also there's also that sort of um conscious logic side of like the other athletes are trying to take my spot yeah uh because cycling canada had allowed some of the 2021 uh world cups to become qualifying races because there had been such a gap since the 2019 season um and while they're actively hitting their best form to try to shake those take that spot up uh i'm not on my best form because i'm trying to peak in july yeah yeah so there was a bit of just like just some mind games going on intentional and unintentional um so yeah it was a lot of just sort of like try to stay true try to stay as good but then also kind of like walking the line of that emotional elasticity and trying not to get too knocked off knocked off uh keel at any point but once we actually like fast forward fast forward once we actually like got to tokyo and the preparation camps leading in and all that like i was i was very not very confident but i was sure of myself yeah. and content with you know what no i'm the best option right now there might be like a faster, younger athlete, but they don't have the experience and the confidence and calmness on the world stage that I do. There's another athlete in similar age group, but like we are the same speed right now. So I'm confident that I'm the best choice because I was at the test event and had a good season or had a good uh, smash at it then and stuff like that. So by the time like I actually lined up at the start line, I was like, yep, I, this is, this is right. And I, feel um like 
ethically sound in the process. Like I'm, I'm, I'm the one to do this. And yeah, I took that energy and, and went with it and made a few mistakes, but like not like it's not like a man, like <laughs> it's not a controlled environment. <laughs> like it's, it's anybody's game. So yeah, it was, oh, it, was, yeah. it was a good time. That's awesome to hear. Um, even being a young guy and having that, that confidence being in your first Olympics is pretty impressive uh, considering the journey you went, you went on. And, you know, I was going to dive into a little bit more, you know, in-game mental stuff, but I kind of want to like, you kind of took us through an emotional mental journey that you went on. And I think yeah. you gave us a different perspective um, that I usually get from athletes because um, we hone in a little bit more on, you know, game day mindset and preparation, but with the Olympics is such a special sport because it's a four-year process, an eight-year process, wherever that journey starts for you. And you're going through these emotions of, you know, high stress injuries, um, you know, your case going through school. Um, there's yeah. just so much aspects to it. Um, and then push comes to shove. Like you're talking about the elasticity there, you know, you're at the start line of the Olympic games representing team Canada, like all that blood, sweat, tears, emotion stuff. It's like, it, it's yeah. all worth it. It came, it came through. So I kind of like the stuff you're hinting on uh, just from a different point of view and more through, like you said, the process that it took to get there and your journey's uh, a little bit different through what you went through. Yeah. So, sort of the, the like in race, the in race stuff and in day stuff, it's, I, I really stuck to my guns of like, it's, it's a bike race. Like I'm a bike racer. Yeah. It's a bike race there's not much to it we yeah go around in circles and we ride really hard like <laughs> yeah you go down rocks and you go through dust and you hop over roots and go off jumps like it's it's all the same essentially and really stuck to my guns with that because that was what like ever since I was a junior when I'm in South Africa and I'm lined up on the front line because I'm ranked seventh in the world and I'm a metal favorite and it's like, yeah, this feels like a Wednesday night race at Hardwood. Yeah, yeah. And that's where we started and here we go. Um, so yeah, I was it was definitely nice to sort of go through that process and all of that uncertainty and all that emotional elasticity and all of that grind through school and preparation and plan execution to then get to the start line and then just dial it back fully. Yeah to the simplistic basics of this is a bike race let's have a good ride and here we go that's awesome I think yeah. and I'm like a big I'm a big advocate in you know hitting flow state where you know you're just not thinking yeah. anymore and you're going and I think part you're of getting into those states is you know the mindset going in or prepping to go in where it's like like you said I this is you know I've been doing this for years it's just another race let my body mind the unconscious stuff just take over and yeah. you know where i end up i end up and that's i think all part of the olympic games yeah no, it was a blast i had a had a good time for sure <laughs> that's awesome that's exciting stuff um well peter like i appreciate you coming on board here uh to chat uh, and take taking some time here so um going to wish you luck in your training sessions and from talking to you, it seems like you're going to probably push for the next summer olympic games 2024 I yeah believe. 
yeah i mean yeah we we alluded to and we went through the whole tokyo process but there's that that itching inside me where a lot happened a lot changed leading into that and i've got more and i want another i want another kick at it